0: Wow. I want to welcome all the visitors here this morning. Welcome. Pastor Daniel welcomed you. I want to thank you for coming. I know many of you have come to participate and to watch uh, those that you love, those that you know get baptized. It's a very special moment and I want to thank you for coming. We also want to celebrate today. We're celebrating Easter. Do you know that Easter is actually not a biblical word? I find that interesting. Um, In one version of the Bible, they use the word Easter in, in Acts, but the actual word Easter was not in the text or in the language of the people when they wrote the Bible. I find that interesting because we like to argue about Halloween and Christmas and other dates, But I'll be honest with you, Easter itself, the actual word, is not. But the principle, definitely, definitely. And I want to share with you, actually, about the word Passover. Because the word Passover is actually the closest word, and it's actually the word that is connected with our term Easter that we know today. So I'd like to share with you this morning a few things about the Passover And we're going to go into the Old Testament, and we're going to see a picture in the Old Testament that projects forward to Christ. And as we had communion this morning, wow, that was that was a powerful communion, Pastor Nelson. Thank you. I love your passion. Um, Did did anybody else catch the passion and understand? Did you hear what Christ did? for you and me. What he did for us, it is mind-boggling. It is beyond. We can think of it in terms of relationships this way. And we think of it in terms of, well, he did this to me, therefore, I'll do that for him. Huh? Any, am I the only one here that struggles with this for that or tit for tat? Can you imagine saying, I know that person's going to betray me. I know they're going to slander me. I know they're going to speak bad about me. I know they're even going to... Peter, he's going to deny me. He's going to use words that I would never authorize him to use about me. He's going to deny me within 24 hours. If you study it, you find out it was even before the crow crowed three times or twice or what he's going to deny me. Three times, not once, three times. That's just one person. Then you look at the story and the account of him on the cross, and they left him. The moment of his agony. The moment of the greatest climax in his life and in the history of mankind, the greatest moment was that moment on the cross when he took our sins. And at that moment, they left him, and the only ones left were a few disciples and some ladies. Thank God for ladies, because us guys sometimes are spineless. And in that moment of despair... He knew what was coming on to him. Because if you read in the Garden of Gethsemane, he actually said, Lord, if it's possible, here he is, the Son of God, saying, if it's possible, could you allow this cup to pass? I mean, that's intense. The movies don't do it justice, and they're amazing. It's like, I'll be honest with you, I can't watch the movie when I see the blood, when I see the stripes. And he knew that this was the price that I was paying for your soul, for your soul, for my soul. And he said, I'll do it. In fact, if you read other verses, it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What are you enduring for the joy that's coming? I want to give you a picture today of what Christ did through the Old Testament. The Old Testament was the Old Covenant. And as you read, you find out that they refer to it as types and shadows. So there's many references in the Old Testament that's a shadow. It's not the perfect. But it references and it points towards Christ. And I want to show you a few things this morning about what Christ did for us and how God had established it and set it in place. If you go in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12, if you, as you're turning to Exodus 12, as we were doing communion this morning, God impressed on me it was the blood that ratified the new covenant. It was the blood. In Hebrews and in Leviticus, it says that life is in the blood. It is ironic because in life we think, no, when I see blood, there's death. But when Christ sees blood, he sees life. The biblical thinking is completely different than yours and my thinking. Our thinking is give, give, give it to me, give it to me, get it. I want to amass this. I want to have God's, God's way is give it. I'm going to let it go, let it go. He does that in, his, in the financial realm. In the financial realm, he says, give, and it shall be given back to you. In our, in our situation, we look at it and say, no, I need to save that, and I believe in saving. But when you're handling God's stuff, you go under the realm and under the jurisdiction of kingdom living, kingdom laws, kingdom principles, and they are more powerful than principles that you and I can think of. Now, I'm starting to preach and I'm not even in my sermon yet. There's a power up here this morning. Text Exodus chapter 12. Christ is risen. Can you imagine walking up to the grave? What kind of faith did they have, by the way? Think about this they weren't going to the grave to check if it was empty. They were going to the grave to pay their respects. And all of a sudden, it's open, and they go, what? And they freak out. And one of the, 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 the accounts says, why are you seeking the living among the dead? Another one says, he is not here as he said. There's words that God has spoken over every one of you here. It is as he said. I'm going to preach. I'm going to share with you. I'm going to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. If you haven't given your life to Christ, we're going to have baptism. You're allowed to actually participate in the baptism. If you give your heart to Christ and you say, I'd like to get baptized, we've got extra T-shirts. We've even got a couple pairs of shorts. and, And you can come and you can get baptized now. So this morning, as you're listening, I want you to, I'm I'm asking God, actually, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, you are sovereign, and I submit myself to you. May I share your word with strength, with anointing, with conviction, and Lord, may souls be affected today for eternity, and we celebrate you this morning. Amen. Man, I want you to turn to Exodus 12. I did a preacher's trick. The, the preacher tells you to turn there, and then he tells you a story while you're turning there, and then he gets there himself. Verse 1, we're going to start, and I'm going to read a number of verses out of this passage, and then I'm going to give you a few thoughts. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, so God's speaking to them, in the land of Egypt. And he says to them, this month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. God is establishing a timeline. God is establishing a record of time. And he says this month, it's going to be the first month, the year. He says, speak to the congregation of Israel, saying to them on the tenth day of this month, there each one of them to take a lamb for themselves according to their father's households, a lamb for each household. The, The word lamb is significant. If you go into the New Testament, you find out that Jesus was referred to the Lamb of God. When I was in university... I took an English class because I had to. And one of the writers in one of the books we were studying, the guy had written all this stuff in imagery. And it went like whew, right by me. And we sat in the class and one day the teacher took out her chalk and she stood at the chalkboard and she said, now what does this mean? And everybody had an idea except for me. So as we're reading this morning, I want you to understand, don't just read the words that are in black and white, but go into them and see. And in the Old Testament, when you read the Old Testament, look for Christ in the Old Testament. Every page, every book bears a symbol or a shadow or points to Christ. And then what happens is when you see Christ, you actually see that he fulfilled everything that was written of him. And that's how when we stand here on the other side, we see him and we can take those things from the Old Testament, see how he fulfilled them, and then we can live in that victory, in that fulfillment, in that blessing. So he says, a lamb for a house. Verse 5, your lamb shall be an unblemished lamb, an unblemished male, without spot or wrinkle. Has anybody heard that term? If you've been to church for any period of time, you've probably heard the term without spot or wrinkle. Jesus was perfect. He didn't tell white lies. We we've we've come up with phrases to clear our conscience of things that don't line up with God. Well, it wasn't really a lie. Well, if it wasn't a lie, what was it? Well, I just didn't really tell him the truth. I just was kind of like leading him in another direction. (laughs) Jesus was perfect. He was perfect without blemish and the demands that god had in the old testament was a picture of the demand that fulfilled his righteousness and his requirements god requires things that are just that are pure that are holy and you know what you and i cannot do that without christ He came and he did this thing called a beautiful exchange where he took our filthy rags and he gave us righteousness. Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. I like that. Because we have this idea that, well, we're going to give God something, but it's going to be the old stuff. That's why we're, we're doing a hundred bicycle giveaway. Late May or into June, we're still working on the dates, but we're going to give 100 bicycles away to children in Abbotsford. That was a good place for an all right. There we go. We're going to bless kids in our community with 100 bicycles. But we're not giving them the ones that I was ready to throw away. We're going to give them brand spanking new bicycles. Bicycles that are still shiny, not rust inhibited bicycles. We have, we have this idea, and I, I, I'm guilty too. Well, I've worn out this jacket, I see a brand new one, I'll go get the brand new one, and I'll give this old one to charity. Christ didn't do that for you and me. He didn't do that for you and me. He didn't say, well, I'll give them second best. I see something shiny. I'll get that. And well, they can just take the leftovers. When Christ gave, he was perfect without blemish. And he was a year old. The lamb here was young. It wasn't worn out. But it was full of potential. It was like young. It had everything in front of it. When God asks things of you, he might ask you something that you think is precious to you, but when you give what's precious to you, it becomes precious to him. I find it interesting. He didn't say, give me a lamb that's... that's. <laughs> Just a lousy one. Just one lame. It's got three legs. The fourth one just doesn't seem to work. It just drags. Give me one that's not, you know what, if it's got a half a chewed ear because it got in a fight with one of its brothers, that's okay. You know, he says, give me the best of what you've got. Why? Because that's a picture of Christ. Christ is not insufficient. He's not insignificant. He's not inferior. He is superior. He exceeds above and beyond anything. And that is who we are celebrating every single Sunday, every single day of the year. We celebrate the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Not because he's inferior, but because he's superior. Because he's better, because he is without blemish. He is spotless. He is pure. He is without sin. Oh, Jack, I love you. He's going to be a shouter when we get into the church. Why don't you turn a couple more pages here in Exodus chapter 12. Well, I'm turning a page in my Exodus 12. He says, You're gonna kill the lamb, and in verse seven he says, You're gonna take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. And they shall eat this flesh. Listen, listen to how detailed God is. God is extremely detailed oriented. He's not just like, oh, let's see what happens. He gives them specific instructions. Mo, uh, Noah was very, I mean, can you imagine building an ark without specific instructions? Where's the water coming from? Well, I don't know, I guess I left too big of a gap between the oak. No, he, God gave him specific instructions. God, God, when he speaks to you, will give you specific things that you need to do at that moment. He doesn't always tell you what happens next week, but you can be assured that he will speak to you as to where your next step is to do, go. And your next step. And here he's talking to him. And he says, I want you to take some of that blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. In other words, your place of dwelling, I want you to put it on where you're dwelling, where you're living. I find this interesting because earlier it said a lamb for a house. Men, I'm going to speak something to you men for a moment. You are the ones that are defenders of your home. You are the ones that will do that and put that blood on your house and on the doorposts and on the lintel. You men are the ones that will stand up for righteousness and say, no, this family behind me and with me, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Don't leave it to your wives to do it. The wives are looking for men that will stand up and say, no, I will take control and charge of this spiritual nature and spiritual health of this family. And we are coming to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. We are coming to church. We're giving our whole life and our all to it. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Says And then he gives them instructions. You're going to eat the flesh that same night. And you'll eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. And I'm not going to get into all of the specifics. But he gives them. He says, I don't want you leaving it over. Do you know God's not afraid that, well, I'm going to use this all up. No, God has provisions every single day for you. When they went through the wilderness, every single day he gave them bread. And on the Saturday or on the Sabbath... They didn't get anything because they got twice as much the day before. Forty years. I did the math once. Because I like math. Like 14,000 days. Every single day. Here's your bread. God will give you what you need. And he gave him very specific instructions on that manna. He says, and and then in verse 13, or verse 12, he's talking about the Passover here. He says, and and, and he's giving them instructions, and he tells them why he wants the blood on their houses. He says, because I'm going to go through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. Your Lord will execute judgments on your behalf when you have your house protected by His blood. There is a God who is a just God. I'm going to say life is not fair. It isn't fair. But God is just. He sees the beginning from the end and he says, when you walk with me, and he's not legalistic, he's relationship based. He says, when you come with me and you walk with me, I will execute judgments on your behalf. I'm a candidate for his judgments. I say, Lord, let it go. Let it go. He says, "I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The, lo- the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. It's going to be a sign for you. Anybody here applying God's blood over their life? Because when you apply His blood over your life, you're applying, and he sees it's a sign for you. His blood. It says, and the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you live, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. There is a protection that happens when you get in with God and you put his blood over your life. There is a protection that God has for you. No plague is going to hit you like it hits us. Other- Can you imagine? We are should be the healthiest, happiest, and most blessed people on the face of the earth. It is unfair. The Holy Spirit and God makes my life unfair to somebody who doesn't have him. Now, I come from a large family, a large family, lots of brothers. And if I could get an unfair advantage over any one of them when I was a kid, I took it. Don't tell, don't stand there and be holier than Pastor David. Don't sit there and go, no, I would just let them do it. No, every one of us, if we got the advantage, man, we'd like, I'm first. You don't think so? How many times do you watch your children fight over who gets to sit in the front seat of the car? Come on. Shotgun. Can you imagine walking through the house shotgun because I'm claiming the promises of God. And <laughs> we should change the way we use that word. It's not about where I'm sitting and where I'm standing and where I'm It's I got the promises of God. Shotgun. I want you to see the immensity, the magnitude of what Christ Did for you. I I was reading this. I had, as I was studying this week and as I was meditating on it, it hit me yesterday. I've been a believer since I was six years old, if not before that. I've heard the story of what Christ did, but yesterday it hit me in a way. It hasn't hit me in a while. I've got nothing without Him. (laughs) I've got nothing, and he looked down, and he saw me in the annals of time, and he says, and he pulled me, and he says, I want David. (gasps) I did nothing. I mean, he knew me when I was in my mom's womb. I don't remember that. Don't think you're some, like, oh, I can speak in three languages, therefore God, he'll use you. But that doesn't qualify you. Jesus qualifies you in his blood. I think we need to get, as Pastor Nelson said, we need to get a fresh revelation of what Jesus did for you and me. I've got ten minutes. Oh, boy. I like it when I put time limits on myself. I want you to see two other verses in Exodus 12, and then I'm going to give you three points, which gives me about three minutes a point. Exodus 12, verse 27. It talks about how it's a sign for them, and in verse 27, he says, you're gonna, your children are going to ask you what's going on. Have conversations in your house about what God's doing. I remember having dinner, and after dinner, my my mom and dad, my dad would read the Bible. Before we went to bed, on a regular basis, we would pray. We'd have a cup of tea, and we'd pray. We are in a busy society. I understand that. But every moment, you get an opportunity to sit down with your children. Don't just put God on the side. Put him in front. Rehearse the good things he's done for you. Tell your children the good things that God has done. Tell them how he bought you the house. Tell them how somebody came and paid top dollar. Tell them how you spoke this and God performed it. Tell them how God pulled you out of nothing and he put his stamp on you and he says, he's mine. Tell them about the miracles of healing, the signs and the wonders of life that he has given you. Speak those things in your house and in your family. Have your children know them and recognize them. Don't wait till your kids are 13. By then you're going to have a hard time. Catch them when they're young. Train them when they're young. Speak to them before they're even speaking back to you so that the words they hear are words of life. So we get to verse 27. You shall say, when your children ask you, you're going to say, it's a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians (laughs) but spared our homes. And the people bowed low and worshiped. I want to. I want you to see three things out of this passage. There's lots of things in this passage, but I want to show you three things about what Jesus did for you. The first thing I want you to write down is that God destroyed your enemies. God destroyed your enemies. Look at somebody and say, "God destroyed my enemies." God destroyed your enemies. We looked at that in Exodus 12. I want you to see that again in Exodus 12:27. I want you to see that now in the next verse Exodus 12:29. He says, "Now it came about at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt." from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the cattle. God will destroy your enemies. Amen? Anybody here got enemies? And I'm not talking about people. Half the hands go down. (laughs) We don't fight flesh and blood. And to be honest with you, sometimes we are our own worst enemies. So I'm not gonna beat myself up. But there's enemies in the spirit realm. And I'm as big as on spiritual warfare as Christ is. He defeated the enemy. You can literally look at that and say, you are defeated depression. Depression is defeated. Come on. Sickness is defeated. By his stripes, you were healed. It's a done fact. It's a done deal. He doesn't, he doesn't sit up in heaven and go, oh, I got to perform another thing so he can be healed. No, he performed it years ago so we can live in it today. When he said the words, it is finished, he meant it is finished. He didn't say, Oh, but there's some addendums coming. When you come to him, every time you come to him in weakness, in sickness, in, in some situation, he has already provided the way to defeat your enemies. In fact, he has defeated your enemy. Live in the position of victory, not in the position of a victim. Too many times believers live in a victim mentality, and it's woe is me. Woe is me, I am but a worm. Oh, I'm lowly of man. I am like, oh, I don't deserve. And we live in that place, and after a while, we start believing it. You say, well, what happens? You know what? I can't explain everything, but I see what the Word says, and I trust and I believe the Word of God. And it says that we are more than conquerors. God destroyed your enemies. If you're writing down notes, I'll give you a couple verses. We're not going to turn to them. But in 1 John 3.8, he says, for, the pur- for this purpose was the Son of God manifest, to destroy the works. I don't know about you, but I like the word destroy. Every little boy likes the word destroy. Every little boy likes to blow things up. Like, give me a stick of dynamite or a stick of, like, a piece of match and paper, and let me light it up, and let's watch what happens when I destroy this and we annihilate it. That's what Jesus did to the enemy. The enemy has no grounds to defeat you, to bother you, or to bug you because he is defeated. Cancer, you're defeated. Depression, you're defeated. An inferiority complex. You are defeated. Anger. Oh, I'm going to go there. You're defeated. Come on. God destroyed your enemies. In Revelation 118, it says he has the keys of hell and of death. Talking of Jesus. When you've got the keys, you've got the access. And he says, "I, I control that. I've got the keys to that. There are doors in this building you can't get into unless you're really nice to me. Because I got the key. Or Pastor Nelson. And we can say, go get something, and you go there, and the door's locked. You can't get in. Jesus has the keys. That's number one. He destroyed your enemies. Can somebody say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Second thing I want you to see... When, Jesus, when God instituted the first Passover, he instituted a day of new beginnings. I want you to understand this, because when Christ comes into your life, you have a new life. It's not carrying on the old stuff and just putting Jesus in my back pocket. That's not what a relationship with God is all about. It's not, well, I'll just pull them out when I get in trouble. No. I am a new creation. It says in 1 Corinthians. Sorry, I think it's 2 Corinthians 5.17. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, some things become new. Is that what it says? It says, behold, all. When Christ comes into your life, there is a defining moment in your life. It's not a time to get the white water and the brown water and mix them up. There is a defining moment when Christ comes and you now have new life in Christ Jesus. And he told the Israelite children, and this is a picture of God, a picture of Jesus. He says, This is the first month of your year. And he was getting ready to exercise the Passover or the exercise of the defeat of the enemy. And he says, This is where it begins. Every believer should have a beginning point in their life, a defining moment where you say, That is when my old man passed away, and now I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are a new creation. You don't take the old things with you in a suitcase walking through the airport of life and whenever you need to sit down, you open it up and say, what do I need? No, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. I don't need them anymore. Ephesians talks about putting off the old man. And he's not talking about a parent. He's talking about your old life. Put those off. And then he says, put on. When God asks you to put off something, he always gives you something to put on. The Passover is a day of new beginnings. Today, there may be some of you here who do not know Christ. Today is your day of new beginnings. Today, you can look and say, old things are passed away and all things have become new. That is the immensity of the power of Jesus. He defeated and destroyed your enemies. And now you can walk in newness of life. I was impressed this morning as we we're singing all the songs, we're talking about Jesus. We're not here to worship anything or anyone other than Christ. What he did. What he performed. I've got a few verses for you. 2 Corinthians 5.17, I've already said that one. In Isaiah 43.19, he says, I'm going to do something new. I will do a new thing. In Jeremiah 29, many of us have heard of that verse. He says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for you to prosper and to have an expected end. I I find it amazing when I read the scriptures how many times there's good promises of God in the scriptures. I don't find verse after verse that says, when you seek me with all your heart and you follow after me, you're going to have problems and this. No, I find it when I seek him and follow him and obey him, he brings good things to pass. I serve a good God. I serve a good God. A news flash, so do you. The second thing that we see there is that it's a day of new beginnings. God gives you a fresh start, a new start. The third thing I want you to see in in this passage out of Exodus chapter 12 is that there is a provision for your redemption. There's a provision for your redemption. God made the plan for the children of Israel to have redemption. They didn't go to God and say, we've, got this, we've cooked up this idea. Moses and Aaron and a few other guys came up with this idea. We've tweaked it a bit, and here's what we think, God. No, God says, here's what's going to happen. At midnight, I'm going to pass through the land, and I'm going to destroy your enemy. He says, and I'm going to give you a way of escape. You apply the blood of a lamb that is without blemish, that's perfect, that's holy, that's clean, that isn't the second best, but it is the best, and you apply that on your door, and you stand in your house, and you stand as a family in your house, he says, and when I pass through the land, I will pass, I will look at that, and I will pass over it, and none of the diseases or the plagues that are hitting there are going to hit here. He says, I've got this plan, and this is how it's going to work. I like God's plans. He's got a provision for your redemption. He has a solution to your condition. Jesus is the solution to your condition. There's only one way. I know in a politically correct world, we would probably say there's many ways, but in a biblically correct world, there's one way. And I'm not politically correct, I am biblically correct. I'm not even religiously correct, I am biblically correct. That's what I strive for. Taking the word, And if it means I have to adjust what I think, well, I figure this is the best book to adjust my thinking. Not Oprah, not Dr. Phil, not this or that. God's Word. Are you receiving that this morning? We are celebrating the most momentous occasion in the Christian faith and in all of world history salvation for mankind. And he has a provision for your redemption. It says in Hebrews 9, he says, Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. The forgiveness of sin is through the blood that Christ had. Hey, guys. Actually, they could come up forward if you'd like. You can, you can come up here, guys. All right, we got the Sunday school. I'm just about to finish. They're my cue to say, Pastor David, I better be quick because otherwise they're going to get a little antsy. Come on, guys, it's okay. Come on right up here. We're going to have a baptism in a few minutes, and I want you guys to be able to watch it. So you can sit on down here. You can sit right here. Anywhere here. Awesome. Awesome. There's a provision for your redemption. Thank you, Charlene. And Andrew and Becky and all the other teachers. In John 1:29, when John saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Amen. What do you guys have? What did you guys do today? What is that? What is that, Jason? Is that a cross? Awesome. Awesome. Man, we are teaching our children good stuff. Amen? We are teaching our kids good stuff. Right, Andrew? Yeah. Yeah. You're one of the teachers. You better say yeah. (laughs) Amen. There's a provision for our redemption. We have three things that I see out of Exodus 12. God destroyed your enemies. In Exodus 12, we see that it's a day of new beginnings. Jesus, God changed the calendar and said, this is going to be your first month. And then I see that in the plan that God had, He had a provision for their redemption. This morning I'm here to tell you that God has a plan for you. If you don't know Christ, you can accept Him.